When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, it's me, Victoria. We have not one, but two special guests this episode. We have Christine of Heroes of the Hydean Way. Uh, she'll be reprising her role as Lady Yelbruna. And we also have Daniel from Bros and Dragons, who will be playing someone from Yaleri's past. So, don't be surprised when you hear a male voice. I guess we startled some people when Kevin made an appearance as the stag, and we'd rather you didn't scald yourself with hot tea. Our patron is live and well. By being a patron, you will get access to session doodles, behind-the-scenes episodes, Q&A episodes, and the chance to play some one-shots with me as the DM. You can find the link on our website, thebroadswords.com. Thank you to everyone who has pledged already. You, you're really, you're wonderful. We love you. Smooches for all. We are also now on Spotify. So yay, you now have another way to get us into your eardrums. <laughs> so that, we're actually really excited about that. So yeah, we are pretty much available wherever you get your podcasts at this point. Thank you everyone for helping us achieve that. All right, so uh, let's get to it. Lady Elbruna has been peering into the pasts of our heroines, trying to understand why Bahamut would be interested in these three particular women. Maypri and Kila have both been examined, and now it is Yaleri's turn. You're listening to The Broadswords. generally not impressed. Kristen Flemons as Ularis, the half-elf wizard. Dragon-like. Oh, boy. And Bianca Zelda as Pri, the tiefling barbarian. She's gonna just, like, take the pickle out of your hand with her mouth. And me, Victoria Rogers, your DM. Ularis. It's been a long musing day. You've just had your situation with the Hathran Nithra. Um, you were dragged around by a drunken Maypri. She is now off somewhere. You don't know. Um, you, you're ready for bed at this point. Um, you've gone. You've had something to eat. You are now in your room at the Green Chapel. What does... 
your routine of going to bed like? Um, it's pretty elaborate. Um, the hair brushing takes a long time. You've got to get the full 150 strokes. Uh, so long, long hair brushing, you know, make sure the cuticles are, are, are cleaned and pushed back and, you know, uh, have a, have a very, uh, a vintage nighty, a book of poetry that I like to read to myself from, you know, there's, there's, there's quite a few steps really. Okay. And when you, when you've gone <laughs> through all of this in your, your vintage nighty, what exactly, how, what does a vintage nighty look like in the land of Faerun. In Faerun. I know. I was just thinking that, that I'm thinking more like vintage nighty in my mind. Maybe it's, it's probably passed down from her grandmother. So lots of lace. I'm thinking lots of like lace and, uh, like you know. high neck, long sleeve. Oh yes, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Down to the floor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't mm-hmm. want your toes to get cold. Never. <laughs> okay, you're you. So then you you go to bed. Is there anything in your thoughts? Is there anything that you're thinking about um, once you've blown out the candle and you're in bed? I I think part of going through this whole ritual is uh, an attempt to calm her spinning thoughts, but I don't know how successful that is. Um, I think my mind is pretty reeling with that vision and the experience with the Hathrin and these questions about my father and just sort of like playing over things over and over and over and like fiddling with this weird ring. Um, so I don't know that I'm able to get to sleep very quickly. As the candles burns down, your tiredness does end up taking over and you do fall asleep. The moon has almost traveled its course through the night sky. Lady Yelbruna casts a quick glance up at it before returning her attention back to the pool of water in the center of the witch's circle. The arms of her colleagues are not raised as high as they were at the beginning of the ritual, and the women had begun the slow dance that signaled tired limbs and flagging concentration. Yulares was the last one. She was almost done. The pool of water flashes brightly, and Lady Yelbruna, off-floor of Rashomon, watches as Yulares' past is opened up to her. You are a young child, probably about seven or eight, and you are in a, a place that you remember, a place that you remember very 
well. You are in the hallway just outside your grandfather's study. And you are seated on the hallway floor, your knees hugged up to your chin, listening to a very angry grandfather and your mother. And I I told you again, it will not happen. Everything beneath the house, the Roaring Horn name holds so much around these areas and you will not destroy this. I'm not going to destroy anything. Who's going to have me at this point? You, You pretty much just have me in the house. No one wants to come near me. I'm not going to destroy any name. You're just going to get rid of me. This is a boon to the family. The way things are are the way they have to be. Do you understand what we've done to build this? And you're going to go around gallivanting, encouraging, grabbing people of those beneath this house so you can do that again? Captain Morrison... There is nothing wrong with him. He is well-respected in the community. He has a place with the Lord. He's... Father, please, let me have this. Absolutely not. I've done enough for your mother keeping you here. I do not ask anything else of me. This will not happen. Yelaris, what is going through your eight-year-old mind right now? I probably don't understand entirely what they're talking about, but I think I'm just sitting there hugging my knees and, and probably whimpering a little bit. He's so angry all the time. And he just, the tone that he, he has that I can hear in my mother's voice that she feels so excluded. And that is, a feeling that I am also familiar with at this point. And so I think I'm just scared and, and, and sad. And I would like to do something for her, but I have no idea what that would be. The scene shifts. And you are in your bedroom. And it is your bedroom in your family city house in Waterdeep. You're excited. You are so excited. You are about to be presented at the Duke's Winter Ball. This is the moment of every young woman's life of nobility. What are you, what's your dress like? What did you choose to wear to the ball? How, how old would I be at this point? You're 15. 15. Okay. I want something classy. Uh, so something that doesn't say, you know, girl from the small town out in the farmlands, something sophisticated, but not so like gaudy and, and over the top looking as a lot of the city fashions are right now. So something, something well tailored, a very square neckline. Um, I'm very fond of a, a deep green, I would say a dark forest green, maybe velvety, um, with subtle, but, uh, very sophisticated details, uh, a choker, perhaps some small pearl earrings. Your mother stands behind you as 
her lady-in-waiting is pinning your hair up with small pearl what do they call bobby pins? Hairpins? Hairpins, hair I hair think. Hairpins, yeah. yeah. With, with hairpins with small pearls in them up in loose curls atop your head. And this is one of the first times in your life where you actually get to wear your hair up. Mm. Because you are becoming a young woman now. So this is a big thing for your neck to be exposed to the general populace. Mm-hmm. And she stands behind you and her the back of her forefinger brushes along the side of your neck. And she looks at you through the looking glass. You've grown so fast. I'm a lady now. <laughs> you are. You're a fine young lady, Yelaris. If only your father could see you now. What what do you think he would say? He would say you're the most beautiful young woman in all of Waterdeep. And that no one here deserved you. Why why isn't he here? Can I ever meet him? And her eyes close for a brief moment before she gets the nerve to speak further no no you won't she turns away um, and she moves towards where your velvet and fur shawl is and she brings it forward and wraps it around you and she forces a big smile on her face and she says let's let's go knock him dead I'll give her a, a a smile as well and a nod and uh, put on the fierce coming to get you face. You leave the house. There is a carriage waiting for you. Inside the carriage is already your grandfather waiting because he he has to present you being the head of the household to the Duke as that is his job. This is the first time you've had contact with Grandfather in probably a month. You do not see much of him. I'll give him a formal curtsy. My lord. With a bow, Eularis. Your mother nods at both of you, and she enters the carriage first. I'll, 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 uh... Move to enter the carriage after her. You need to remember your place when we enter. Know that you are going there. You will not make any foolish moves. You will stay to the Roaring Horn bloodline. Not that other part of you. And you will not, very clear, you will not disgrace this family. Do you understand me? Perfectly, Grandfather. Stop slouching. (laughs) I'll sit up even straighter, even though I'm pretty sure I was not slouching. I do not expect anything from you, but do not disgrace this family. I am only doing this so that the family maintains its honor and place among the royalty here. You've made yourself very clear, Grandfather. We shall see, won't we? 
I suppose we shall. That right there. That is what I'm talking about. Keep that under wraps. Oh, most certainly, Grandfather. The carriage pulls up to the Duke's palace, which is this grand affair with marble and mosaic uh, walkways. And there is, even though it is in the middle of winter, uh, the Duke's wizards have created this massive fountain that is still running in the courtyard, which is surrounded by topiaries and hedges and and everything that really, quite frankly, should be dead right now in the middle of winter. But again, his wizards have kept everything up and going and perhaps even a few druids um, within his circle. When your carriage comes to a halt at the front of the palace, one of the duke's footmen comes and opens the door and waits smartly for the three of you to exit. Once you file out of your carriage, there is music drifting from the palace. There are strings. There's beautiful singing, actually. It, it, it's this beautiful soprano just singing an aria for everyone as you enter this palace. What is Yolari's thinking right now? I mean, doing her best to not appear like a staring yokel, but is just so curious and enchanted by everything from especially um, the the trees that are still alive, just like trying to catch glimpses of the of the magic and like make notes in her mind about what to look up later. That's super curious and all the, the architecture and the people and the fashions and the music. And she's just like buzzing, buzzing from it all, but trying very hard to like, you know, a- appear like it's, you know, old hat. She sees this every day. It's no big deal, but it's a big deal. You are brought into the palace, and this palace, there is quite the line of young women who are waiting to be presented to the Duke. So you, unfortunately, have to wait at the end of this line. There's probably a good 40 young women ahead of you already. You can hear heralds announcing them. And really what is happening is the Herald announces the name of a young woman and what house she is from. She steps to the front alongside her parent or guardian, the head of the household. She curtsies, the the Duke nods, and then everyone shuffles off and the next person comes up. And it is, quite frankly, really boring. There is not much else going on. The The fun appears to be in some of the rooms off to the side of the main hall where there is a lot more music and festivities and punch and champagne waiting for everyone. How does my dress compare to the other women's? I'm very concerned about, like, do I stand out in a good way or... Is, do I look fashion forward? Do I? I don't want to blend in too much, but I don't want to look like like I'm out out of touch. Like that, I think I'm very concerned about. 
you definitely stand out. You have gone with a more elegant, sophisticated, sleek kind of look, whereas most of these young women are in what is very popular today, which are big, flouncy skirts with pin tucks and lots of lace everywhere. So you stand out and you look a lot older than 15. I'm very okay with that. Yeah, I'm feeling good about that. As you're standing there waiting, your grandfather standing impatiently, you can hear a couple of girls behind you. Hey, look. It's that Roaring Horn girl. Isn't she illegitimate? Yeah. Her mother went off with some barbarian. I'm surprised they even let her out of the house. I heard she set Sir Collington's coattails on fire once. <laughs> I wonder if she's going to set the Duke on fire. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to just sort of grit my teeth and like cast a glance at my grandfather. If he wasn't here, I'd probably do something unwise, but we just got here. I've still got some self-control. I'll just sort of like move my fingers in the like somatic part of a, a fire spell just to give myself a little, little comfort, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna ignore them. Lord Roaringhorn, what are you doing when you hear this? Keeping my composure, making sure that I keep eye contact with my granddaughter to see if she embarrasses the family. Sometimes how people treat you badly shows how well of an upbringing you have and how you handle that. The masked women sway at their cardinal points of the circle. The tip of the sun just begins to cast its orange glow in the horizon, coloring the clouds in a myriad of pinks and yellows. Lady Yelbruna frowns at young Yelaris. The girl had a temper. Would she be able to learn to control it? Anger helped warriors, but casters had to be able to remain calm. If the girl was to claim her Rashemi heritage, she would have to keep her emotions under rein. Spirits were sensitive to them. Yalbruna waves her hand over the pool and watches the next memory intently, looking for any sign of Bahamut. How old is Yularis now? 20? Yeah, early 20s, I'd say. 20-ish. You have just come in from your afternoon ride. You love your rides. Tomorrow, you leave for the academy. All your trunks have been sent over. You are ready to go. 
You come into the hall. A servant takes your gloves and your coat, your riding jacket, and you go up to your room. All of the trunks that you had sent over to the academy are sitting in the middle of your floor. Um, that's not possible. I'm just standing there, uh, jaw dropped, because I had arranged everything meticulously, and when Hilarious does something meticulously, it happens the way she plans. So the fact that these trunks are sitting here is just... It kind of breaks reality a little bit. I'm just stunned. You can see to the side um, where your fireplace is, there is a young scullery maid. And at your entrance, she jumps up from stoking the fire and making sure that it's ready for you for when you come back from your ride. And she's, oh, milady, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry, miss. I... Do you know about this? Oh. Do you know anything about these trunks? About the trunks, ma'am? Um, milady, I, I, I... The footmen brought them up here. Uh, your grandfather asked them to bring them up. That's all I know. Leave. Leave now. Yes, milady. And she, she curtsies and she hurries as fast as she can out of the room. I'm I'm fuming. Are are these footmen anywhere to be seen? No. Okay. I'm gonna um I'm gonna storm over to my uh, grandfather's study and just uh just throw the door open with a crash. See if he's in there. He is seated at his large wooden desk. This desk is ridiculously large, and it is. Way too big for what this man needs. This man has never lifted a finger in his entire life. He, what he does in this study, you don't know. Uh, you, you, no one really knows. I think he just, he just likes to hide in there and feel important. I'm not surprised, you Larrys. I presume you had something to do with these trunks returning to my chambers? The family did, yes. Mm, the family. What are they doing there? Why are they not at the academy where I sent them? A young lady would know, when she's before the master of her house, to enter and waits to be invited to seat as he extends his hand to the chair across from his desk. I'm not feeling particularly inclined to sit. Thank you, Grandfather. Would you please answer my question? Your cousin Sylvia will be going instead. She is in line for the inheritance, and not you. And that is the way proper things happen. Sylvia, you're sending Sylvia to the academy instead of me. Sylvia is an imbecile. She never attends her studies. She has no interest in the arcane arts. Why on earth would she go to an advanced arcane academy? It is simple, because she knows how to hold her temper and not make sigils of magic in the air when she is trounced upon from other houses. Do you think I did not notice? Sylvia could not light a candle on her best day. She shall embarrass us all at the academy and whoever is stupid enough to send her there. And what do you think? 
that I would let your tainted blood take over this household? I knew that's what it was. Do you really hate me so much, grandfather, that you would take away this one thing that I have worked for my entire life? This one thing that I have done by myself. You're so petty as to try and take that too. And this, this is why you will not be attending the academy and hold your tongue before evil things happen. (laughs) Evil things? Like what? Removal from the household. I've thought about it for many years. It would clean our name. It would stop the talking. It would raise our status once again. In fact, he looks into the air thinking this through. Let me save you the trouble. And I'm going to throw a fireball at his chair. <laughs> well, not a fireball. I don't know that spell. A, f- a bolt? A bolt. A fire bolt. A fireball. you like... At the, the desk. At the desk. No. Last. Yeah, the entire room. <laughs> No, I'm I'm going to burn up this stupid overcompensating too large desk. I am firebolting the desk. <laughs> okay, roll firebolt. Um that is an 11 plus uh, what is my spell attack modifier? So that's a 16. That that defeats the desk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> vanquishing my enemies what does that look like um i i it just bursts right in the middle so that like there's nothing salvageable for this desktop it's just a light and all those silly papers that were on top it probably has like a one of those leather desk cover things too so that maybe smells pretty bad And I am hopefully, like, what I'm hoping for is just to savor the look of astonishment or horror on his face. Because I I am done cowering before this man who, you know, he's never, ever going to give me the benefit of the doubt. I'm done. I don't care anymore. And what is Lord Roaringhorn's reaction to this? The initial reaction I see, he'll turn and obviously try to protect himself from this attack he will stand up with a little quiver in his voice that's it that's all out i strip you of the name roaring horn have i ever hear of you using it again it will be over for you i give you this one and be exiled from this house now be gone oh with great pleasure grandfather i bid you a pleasant day and I shall turn on my heel and strut out of the room. He frantically tries to save his desk. (laughs) (laughs) In the hall, you see your mother. Her hand is held over her mouth. Her eyes are wide. And she looks directly at you, Yularis. Yularis. I can't say I'm surprised. I'm sorry, Mother, but it was only a matter of time. If he wouldn't let me leave to go to the Academy, it was it was going to happen. It was too much for me to ask. I... I arranged for you to go to Rashomon, Yularis. Ra- Rashomon? To your father. Is is that where he is? Yes. I think that thought... I think I was feeling pretty, actually, smug, pleased with myself, but that sort of 
destabilizing me almost as much as the the loss of going to the academy of this idea that I actually would go somewhere to meet my father this sort of specter that I've never really known anything about there is an inn the golden canary it is on the outskirts of town it is new by the east gate go there there is a merchant, a Gris Mortain. He is, he is going to Imalar. I have already arranged your place. I have the footman bringing your trunks. Oh, Yalaris. And she cups your chin in her hand. Why don't you come with me? This place is terrible. He's terrible. We could both leave. I wish I could. I'm going to miss you. And she kisses your forehead. Gonna sniff back some tears and, and give her a giant hug. Decorum be damned. She embraces you tightly. And when she pulls away, she presses in your hand a pouch and it jingles. Take this. I've been saving it. I've been saving it in... Well, you don't really need a dowry, do you? <laughs> I suppose not. Thank you. Go. Oh. squeeze her hands and give her a kiss on the cheek and then turn and leave. Canary is a new building in a Tudor style, just like your mother said, on the outskirts of town. It has a neat little courtyard in the front. There is a small stable, probably only holds about three, maybe four horses. And it is otherwise very nondescript. And it is just on the outside of the town wall. When you open the door, there is quite a few people inside. It is very bright. It is very cheery. There is a big roaring fire going on one side of the room. And there is a modest bar in which a bald man sits um, perched on a stool behind the bar. Uh, and he's not really doing much, just watching the crowds. Uh, the crowd... I say a crowd, but the, this inn is actually quite small, so this crowd of about ten people does make the common room feel full. And there is a man with a big floppy hat, and he is in well-made, well-tailored, but plain clothes. Um, 
I will approach the man at the bar. I think Yelary's hasn't spent much time in taverns and certainly not at inns. Uh, Anytime she traveled would be with her family. So I don't know that she entirely knows how this stuff works. Um, So she's just going to like go over to the man at the bar and say, "I, I was told you could provide me rooms and that there was a merchant here I should speak to. Do you know a, a, a Gris? And the barkeep, he looks up at you and he he smiles warmly. The, his eyes crinkle. You can see his crow's feet. And it is a very genuine smile. And he says, Ah, Yolaris. Yes. How do you know who I am? Your mother arranged it all. Of course, of course. Um, yep. What now? <laughs> Gris. And Gris, he looks up, and he's got a, a great big beard. And he says, ah, is this our, our last passenger? And the barkeep nods. Yes, I do believe I shall be traveling with you. Uh, where should I unload my trunks? That trunks? Yes, trunks. We are traveling, aren't we? How many trunks do you have? Oh, only five. (laughs) (laughs) Five? Uh, No. Sorry. Uh, We simply do not have the room for five trunks. I'm sorry, you're going to have to bring it down to one. And and do what with the rest? He shrugs. It seems most uncivilized. What about my bathtub? Fucking bathtub. Recon. <laughs> uh, his eyes kind of bulge from his head at that bathtub. You do realize we're going to Rashomon. Yeah. Do they not bathe in Rashomon? That seems all the more reason to bring one along. <laughs> <sighs> one trunk. I don't care how you do it. Just bring it down to one trunk. And he picks up his flagon and downs it and heads out the door. And as he's leaving the door, he states, we leave at first light tomorrow. I can hardly wait. The pool of water flickers, the light and color fading from it. The women stop their movement in unison and watch as the pool recedes back into the river. The river shifts and groans, opening the island up 
to the land again. The runes in the ground flash silver in the dawnlight before dimming to nothingness. With a small shake, Lady Yelbruna motions to Nithra to follow her. The Hathorn in the stag mask steps from her southern cardinal point and joins the Othlor of Rashomon. Well, this definitely confirms my suspicions. Bahamut has an interest in all three of these women. Why, I can't say. But his symbols are throughout in all three of their paths. And the rings they wear, I don't think are a coincidence. Nithra nods slowly. The pair of you begin to leave the clearing while Janelle and Loray resume their positions at the entrance. Yalari is, is part Rashomon. She may have been raised a spoiled brat. Her temper is a problem, one that needs to be redirected. And that task and teaching the basics of our ways will fall to you, Nithra. She could be Hathrin one day. Understood. I agree. Should... Should she go to her father? It's important that she understands that a part of her belongs to this land. That she understand where she came from. It's not often that the, the craftsmen are disturbed, but I think in this case we can make an exception. When you are done training Ilaris in the basics, I want you to take her and Maypri and Kila to Emilar. The former slave might learn something from one of the lodges there, and the same could be said of Kila, the Skald's house. I don't know what will become of them, but if we can help shape that, we need to. Should we warn the Vermyoni of their, of, of Yolari's arrival? Yelbruna smiles. No. I want to see how Bromley reacts when she shows up on his doorstep. I believe there is a contingent from the lodges bringing supplies up to the Vermiani stronghold. I'll send the women with them. Novik can go. Nithra, when you send them with Yalari's, uh, Jandar is going to be among their number, right? Yes, he is. When they have returned, I would like a report from him on how that occurred. Understood. I'll let him know. Uh, should Jandar be informed of the interest in these three? Let him know that there is an interest. Don't go into further detail than that. It is simply enough that he know that, that I have my eye on them. He needn't interfere. Just keep watch and... Let me know what he sees.
everyone who submitted to our listener appreciation contest. It was so hard to narrow it down to just three, so we narrowed it down to five. (laughs) So congrats to Nathan, Rihanna, Marcus, Ryan, and Daniel for your fantastic creations. Go vote for the winning magic items at www.thebroadswords.com. Voting is live until Saturday, March 31st at 3 p.m. EST. And we will be seeing you on Saturday, April 7th, when the next episode comes out. (laughs) Bye. In the Dallas-Fort Worth crime area, weed 2.0 is a lot like brisket. People smoke it, and they die. So it's up to the new DFW task force agents Kip Simpkins and Trevor Steele to crack some heads and do some justice. So come on down to Advanced Sagebrush and Shootouts and listen to these boys roll some dice and laugh your ass off at ASSpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Happy trails, y'all. Yeah, well, it makes it made sense to me that there was something special about the yearling wood. And when you describe that, like, three-quarter circle of, like, the river, it's like, oh, wait a minute. It's so close. Why can't that just be completed and treat that opening more like a doorway for it? And then you're the one who introduced the cardinal direction idea, and just a lot of it clicked together really well. The Fable and Folly Network where fiction producers flourish.